Hello and welcome to Stewarding Family Wealth on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio and I am your host, Amanda Pierch. This series is presented by Centurion Advisory Group, serving individuals and business owners who choose to live on purpose. I am joined by Randy Brunson, President and CEO of Centurion Advisory Group, alongside Sandy LaRue, a lead advisor. Thank you for joining us today, and we are excited to get into part two of Choices. Randy, last week when we left off, we ended on the note of faithfulness. What say we pick back up as a refresher with that key point? The last time we were together, we wrapped up our conversation uh, around faithfulness, and I, I believe the uh, the thoughts that I was sharing about faithfulness were that as individuals, my observations are as we look across life that our first call, our first responsibility is faithfulness to the commitments that we have made. All right? It's common to find people that are committed to financial success or that are committed to achievement or that are committed to glory or to fame and there's not necessarily anything wrong with any of those particular concepts or pursuits. Our first responsibility, though, I believe, is to faithfulness, and that's simply faithfulness to the commitments we've made to the people that we serve, to the family members we've made commitments to, to the call and purpose on our life. And once we are clear on that call and on that purpose, while decisions are not always easy, decisions can be very simple. And a choice to be faithful to that purpose or that calling simply simplifies decisions. And I recall from um, our last episode that choosing to be faithful to those whom we've committed to and to our calling, much like you mentioned, and purpose is the primary mandate. It doesn't mean success or glory or accomplishment, but it's the primary mandate for faithfulness, reflection, counsel, development of talents, and learning. Well, we do have some more within this commentary, and I do want to give a little bit of time to each one. So the next is advice, Randy. Choosing to ask for, listen to, and apply advice. There are no guarantees, no risk-free environments or investments, and no certain futures. Learn from those who are where you want to be in life, though no one, time, group, or learning, reading those people have written. Expand on that for us. Sure. All right, so the personal story is that I was well into my 40s before I realized or appreciated the value of taking advice from others. I lived many decades believing that I was the final word on anything. And uh, in fact, I thought that God's first name was Randy Brunson, right? <laughs> and, it's just, and so I looked, around in my late, I looked around my life in my late 40s, and there was nothing to recommend it. If just if I was walking disaster. And so what I've learned is there is great value in asking for advice, listening to it, and applying it. And those are, those are three separate things. You've got to be prepared to ask for it, which shows an humbleness of spirit. Listen to it, which means a, a choice to engage, and then to apply it, take action on what you've heard. And what I've learned is that when you surround yourself with people that care about you, that not only can they see your situation like you can, because we can see our situations, but when you invite others into your life to give you advice, they can see you and your situation. So here, here's a trust element. When we choose to surround ourselves with people that we know and believe have our best interest at heart, they give us advice and 
a choice to apply that advice, whether we understand it or not, or even whether we agree with it or not, that is a leap of faith, okay? But it's so valuable because, like I wrote in the, in the commentary, it seems that many are attempting to create this risk-free environment that if I do these things, then my future is guaranteed or my income is guaranteed or my good health is guaranteed or my eternity is guaranteed that if I take these actions, we have all these guarantees, okay? And that's not the structure of life. There, there are no guarantees in life. That's why one of, the, one of the ancient philosophers said, come now and let us reason together, okay? That's why Solomon said, in an abundance of counselors and advisors, there's both safety and wisdom, okay? You listen to and learn, but applying that advice, there, there's this thought. I've heard this from high school students when I've uh, been on, on the jury or for these competitions, these high school competitions. These high school students, a common phrase is, knowledge is power. Nope. Knowledge is potential power. Applied knowledge is power. And the same thing with advice. When the student's ready, the teacher appears. So, Advice is everywhere. You've got to prepare yourself to ask for it, receive it, and then apply it. I like that. It sounds like three parts because oftentimes we seek advice, but not a lot of people are good listeners. And then, like you mentioned, that third part, applying the knowledge is essential. That's a choice. Depends on what you want. The next is attitude, and I think that plays large, largely a part of, of all of the points that we've made, but specifically attitude. Choose an attitude of gratefulness. Make a list of what you're grateful for. Add to it every day. Your sight allows you to see those that you love and to enjoy the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. You hearing allows you to hear the joy in children singing and the majesty of Beethoven's ninth. It's interesting that um, this is one of the key points as this year I have started a gratitude journal. And in, in applying um, some gratitude in the morning, I find that it sets a totally different tone for the day. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about that after you expand um, on attitude, Sandy or Randy. Well, I'll, I, will turn, I will turn this one over to, I'm going to jump around here for a second. I'm going to turn attitude over to Sandy. She's just incredible uh, with, with people. I promise you over and over again, when I engage with our clients, what I hear about Sandy is when our clients interact with Sandy, they feel as if they are the only client that we have. And that's Sandy's attitude and the way she approaches us. So Sandy, talk about attitude. Sounds like a superpower that you have, Sandy. It is. I think Share it with the world. He's, he's just super kind about that. But I just I actually just wrote a few notes down just to help me remember kind of all that I was thinking. And it's about training your brain to gratitude, which is what you're talking about doing when you actually write down like statements of gratitude every day to remind ourselves so it's so easy to get caught up in this world and forget about the good things it's so easy to focus on what's right in front of us and sometimes that's not always good so I'm what I have found that by paying attention to those life's positives it like you said it's it sets you up for like a much more positive hopeful day and that way too and then people that are around you can sense that it just seems to build and it ends up creating more of a joyful life as opposed to you know where you're just focusing on that next thing that you have to get done or or anything you're like oh you know what I'm, I'm so blessed like my children did the dishes for me today or 
a friend dropped by and brought me lunch or just did something kind. And when you focus on that, you're, you're lifted up and people can see that. They can experience that. Would you say it kind of um, manifests like throughout the day? So we start the day with gratitude and then that manifests throughout the day, kind of um, setting the tone. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I do just want to mention really quickly, as you stated here, Randy, in your commentary, something as simple as children singing or the majesty of Beethoven's ninth. When I started the gratitude journal, it was something very simple as thank you for the dexterity of my hands. Thank you for being able to taste coffee. Mm -hmm. And throughout the three months of the year, I find that they become more elaborate and more in depth. So starting with something very simple, that kind of leads to the manifestation, like you mentioned. Yes. Mm -hmm. Randy, do you have anything to add to attitude or gratitude? I don't know. Um, You are grateful for Sandy's attitude. (laughs) I am. there's There's a book the title is The Greatest Miracle in the World, and I did not look it up, so I'm operating from memory, and I hope my rememberer is not rusty at the moment, but I, I believe the author of The Greatest Miracle in the World is Og Mandino, and that first name is O-G. His full given name was Augustus, or August, uh, and he's got a phenomenal personal story. The book was written about 100 years ago in the first half of the 20th century, But the title is The Greatest Miracle in the World, and Og spends some time there. It's a book in story form, Mm -hmm. okay? But he talks about literally the incredible miracle that the human body is, about how well the blood flows and how heart works and how much it beats and so on and so forth. And you just look at that, the incredible miracle that we are as we exist, okay? And then the fact that we have the opportunity to walk outside. I, I recently got prescription sunglass, uh, prescription glasses. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've had readers for 15 years and recently got prescription glasses. And it's helped when I walk outside in the morning. The last several days have been just gorgeous. And, and so you can walk outside in the morning and it's a clear sky, provided you get up early enough. But you can walk outside as the sun is as the day is breaking and the sun is shining it is absolutely glorious just just the beauty of a day that we have been given you think about that or if you have children or if you have grandchildren or if you're in an environment where you simply see three four five year olds simply simply playing and 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 enjoying themselves they are generally carefree okay anxiety frustration a judgmental attitude all of those are caught by these young ones from somebody else. And so just the carefreeness of their engagement, or I, I, I enjoy music, so whether it's Beethoven's Ninth or the Brahms Requiem, which is a, it's in German, and I'll, I'll not spend a lot of time here, but it's just an incredible piece of music. And if, you've, if, if you're a singer, if you've ever sung in like a community choir or something, or, or a a professional choir and you've sung that kind of music it's just it's an incredible experience okay and, and there's so many things to be thankful we can hear this we can see the sunrise our bodies work mm-hmm. you know it, it doesn't matter how old you get most of your body still works yeah some of it stops you know, you just buy new parts and it's a great country and so you know there's so many like you're saying about your your hands work your you, you can write okay the coffee pot, work, there's electricity. One of my cousins, uh, my baby cousin on my mom's side, when about 1990 is when she was in college, 30 years ago. And she went on a mission trip to Russia, and that's just after the 
that's just after Russia had started opening up to outsiders, where communism was going away, they were experimenting with free markets, and so Russia had opened its borders, and there were many, many uh, missionaries and mission groups that had gone to Russia to to, to bring life and freedom and hope to the people of Russia. And uh, Amy, went, Amy went on this trip. Uh, she was at Asbury in Kentucky at the time. And she came home, and I heard this through one of my other cousins, and Amy told her mom. And, and Amy's just, she's a wonderful, beautiful young lady. Well, you know, she's children of her own now, and she's a great lady. But both of her parents were in the home, had a great, great upbringing, taught well, these kinds of things. She comes back from the mission trip, and she tells her mother, that she would never complain about the food she had to eat, nor would she ever complain about running out of hot water again. Because though that those two weeks that they were in Russia, the, the water did not always work. Sometimes it was there was water when you turned the tap, and sometimes it wasn't. It may have been hot, it may have been cold. I don't know what the food was like, but I've traveled outside the country, and the first time I came back from an international trip, which was just about 15 years ago, I almost stooped over and kiss the ground, and 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 we just went to Eastern Europe, which was fairly it's it's fairly modernized. The the large cities are are pretty generic, but you know you get outside the large cities in Eastern Europe, you go back about 150 years. But the large cities are, are like large cities anywhere. You know you've got crime and Starbucks and everything else. So, well, at least there's a Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> So it was just really interesting, you know. So, so, so many of the things that we that we uh, it, it's easy to complain, but most of the things that we complain about are all first world problems. Yes. You know, so grateful. She's a, a great example through all of the mission work that she did, and that kind of leads me into the next point, uh, which is example. Choose to set an example. Never underestimate the power of influence or the decisions that you make today on those around you and future generations. You know, one word that really stands out to me, especially in this world today, Randy, is the word influence. Uh, It is so largely misused, I believe, in the world of social media. You know, there are people that are called influencers, but they don't use their powers for good. They might not necessarily use their influence for things that are relevant or important or fundamental. So that stood out to me immediately. But I'd like for you to deep dive into that because it is obvious that you set a great example. You are an example to many, including myself, and we've only just become friends. So speak a little bit about um, example and choosing to set a good one. It's like any other choice. Some years ago, and you, you can look this up because it's, it's a matter of the public record, but I believe it was 30 to 40 years ago, Charles Barkley, the basketball player, mm-hmm. made some comments where he was choosing to step away mm-hmm. from being a, an example to young people. And um, I, I haven't read, perhaps he's changed that approach. It wouldn't surprise me at all. That sounds like something that would come from someone that was still in growth mode, right? But I just remember that because it was so controversial when he made that because professional athletes are, by definition, role models and examples. It doesn't matter if they want to be or not. They are, okay, by, by definition. And I've, I've thought about this, and I have some thoughts, and I don't have any reason to believe this is a final answer on anything, okay? It's just sort of some developing thoughts. But my experience is it seems to me the longer that I live, whether it is with our team at the office or with our grown children and grandchildren, whether it's with peers, colleagues, professional acquaintances, or people I serve on boards with, clients, whatever it is, that the longer I live, just about the only thing that I have to offer is an example. How do you, how do you live life? 
How do you approach life without fear? How do you approach life with a great attitude? Okay. And things happen you don't really care for or, you know, something happens on a given day and your first thought is, I didn't sign up for this. You know, that, that thing sometimes when you think about that. And it doesn't, it has, doesn't matter at all what it is. You know, if in, in my case I'm married and my, my wife's name is Teresa. And so if it's uh, Teresa asked me to do something, it's like, well, that, was, that wasn't my agenda for this weekend. Or, you know, whatever. But it's, it's a, it, it matters to her. Because, so you know, we're you. taking care of her mother and, mm-hmm. and, and these kind of things. Or, or even even at the office, I've, you know, come in and I've got these things I think I need to do, but Sandy needs help. It's like, okay, just set your stuff aside and focus mm-hmm. and help Sandy do well. It doesn't matter what is it, but so much of the time it's setting a good example. Many of our clients, many of those that we work with are company owners. They own own uh, own businesses, many of them with, with between five and 45 or 50 employees, and some larger, but there are just so many companies uh, here in Georgia with between five and 50 employees, that seems to be a, where we do a lot of work. And so when we have conversations with the owners, what we see is we see people who generally have done well financially. They have profitable businesses, they have their home or homes, their autos are paid for, their homes are paid for, the buildings that their businesses are in are generally paid for the businesses are cash flow positive they don't like paying taxes we help with that they want to give away they they want to make a difference by giving well we help with that and and a variety of other things but all that's not the point the point is we are engaging with people who have accomplished a lot of what many people want to accomplish you know, their families generally are together. They are financially successful. If they want to go to the beach, to the mountains, if they want to travel internationally, if they want to buy another home, if they, whatever it is, sure, they can do these things. And so they start that purpose. And you talk about that. All right. So what does your work, work life look like? Is how you live your life from a work, work personal life balance, is that a good example for those that are following you? Yeah, I've asked myself that before. And I didn't really care for the answer. <laughs> right yeah or how are you developing the next generation of leadership are you are you identifying and developing the next generation of leadership in your company and how do you how are you intentional about that so a lot of at some point just about all that's left to us is to set an example or set the standard how do we care for the generation ahead of us as they are in their last years how do we make sh- how do we identify and develop the next generation that wants to to lead how do we give well how do we care well how do we love well those kinds of things because you know making a lot of money building a large financial statement this is united states of america it is a great country okay and one of the challenges in this country is its absolute raw power to create wealth okay you can make a lot of money in this country and you can build a very large financial statement not just an extra five million you can do it in multiples of 10 million multiples of 100 million you do very well takes focus but it can be done the question is what do we do with this you know how do we lead by example and how we share and how we give and how we love and, and those kind of things what i'm thinking about with an example isn't just always you don't always make the right decision sometimes you mess up it's what you do with that also that can be a really good example it's going back and apologizing it's you know it's it's taking responsibility for when you've messed up that to me is just as much value as somebody who always seems to do the right thing and lead by example that way i just i feel like that makes sense because i think we've come to expect everybody to be perfect 
or to do everything right and then there's no grace Mm -hmm. and so I feel like the example is set by those of us that where we mess up and we just go man I really messed up I hope you can forgive me so that's that's the examples I look for and I've been truly blessed in my life that I've had um, a lot of women that are slightly older than me that have come along in my life I truly believe they were heaven sent and they would walk through and they'd be a significant influence in the time that I needed them for the for a period of time Mm. you know sadly that's kind of what happens sometimes you have friends that come in and out for just seasons and um, that's what they did and there are three women that I remember clearly and I just hope that everybody has that same blessing if you will in terms of having those kind of examples the way they lived their lives the way they treated me and took care of me Mm -hmm. it was a those are the examples that I look to and hope to be myself with others you mentioned grace and that was one of the points from last week and I just want to remind our listeners choosing to extend grace to yourself as well as to others we are all on this journey that a word of kindness or encouragement could make the difference. I agree with you, Sandy. Those leading by example and grace go hand in hand. I do just want to remind everybody that um, we are listening to Stewarding Family Wealth, and it is delivered to you by Centurion Advisory Group. We are going to transition into hope. Choose always to keep hope alive. Be mindful of where you place your hope. See, as Lewis said, if we have longings, which cannot be satisfied in this world, it is obvious that we are made for another world. Yes. I feel like you added that yes, didn't you, Randy? (laughs) That was outside of the quotations. I will let you speak to that yes. Yeah, C.S. Lewis Lewis was a very good thinker. And uh, one, one writer that I read described casual hopes precious hopes or special hopes and then ultimate hopes and I think what C.S. Lewis was referring to was what I will refer to as ultimate hope because we all all have things we wish for we hope for we long for we have phenomenal lives and yet there are things we grieve over there's loss we grieve over all of us have lost something in order to keep from shriveling emotionally and spiritually and simply checking out of life it's critical that we that we keep hope alive. Hope that there is a time and a place that all will be restored. Hope that we can enjoy the days that we are here. And, you know, the casual hopes are, I hope it doesn't rain today. Maybe some of the precious or special hopes. I hope that mom lives another year, another five years. You know, some of those kinds of things. And the ultimate hope is for the restoration of all that has been lost. My, my last first and only resource for understanding the restoration of all that's been lost, right, are the promises made in the Bible where Jesus says, I'll return and I'll restore and I will make everything new. And I've learned over my life that it takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a follower of Jesus. But those are all choices that, that we make. But it is so critical, like, uh, it, it's so critical to hang on to hope, to believe that we can make a difference, to, to believe that there is a reason and a purpose for our lives, and ultimately to believe that all that has been lost will be restored. I like that you said faith because I wrote here on my page, hope slash faith, and I know that we already spoke about faithfulness, but I think that it goes hand in hand, how we just mentioned hope and having to have faith in addition to be hopeful. Sandy, what are your thoughts on, on hope and faith? And this is actually, I have more of a question, and I'm hoping somebody here might know the answer. Hope, faith, and charity, I think, were three saints, young girls, I believe, 
from back and way back when um, that might have been that have died or something like that and that's where those names came from originated so I'm going to kind of punt this over to Randy because I suspect being that <laughs> the theologian if you will and also the historian that he is he probably mm-hmm. knows this better than anybody I know she didn't say pass she said punt Heads <laughs> up, it's headed your way long snap catch oh well the, my, my first my, my recollection of faith hope and charity or faith help and love used together was in the was in Paul's writings when he wrote his first letter to the church at Corinth it's in 1 Corinthians 13 which is typically referred to as the love chapter and he wraps up that that chapter by saying that just now we see through a glass darkly see we we study life think what's going on and so across time all kinds of philosophers have developed life philosophies to, to make sense of life or maybe your experience is like mine. I show up at Philosophy 101 class as a freshman in college, and there's some dude then that was my age now, you know, long, shaggy, white hair, you know, one of the hippies from the 60s, that kind of thing, uh, an old one. And he said, here are the questions. Who are we? Why are we here? Where are we going? And so I thought to myself, he's 60-something years old, and he doesn't know the answer. I'm out of here. So I, I left. <laughs> You know, it's like, all right. So seriously, that was that was my experience with that's my experience with philosophy one one. But uh, faith, hope, and love, or faith, hope, and charity, are first referenced in in that writing from Paul in First uh, Corinthians thirteen. That's that's where we hear them. And it's interesting to study those individually and and what's the interplay among those and what do they mean for life. And I, the discussion on that far exceeds our our time here. Well, they're all beautiful um, names in any child. I imagine they would all be girls. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a, a beautiful name. Last on, on our, our list here um, in your commentary, which I received, by the way. Thank you so much. That's a highlight when I receive it. I can't say it's on a weekly basis, but when I do, I very much enjoy it. So thank you for including me. Good. This is perseverance. And I think that we all have to dig down deep for this sometimes. So persevering, choosing to carry on. It takes no talent to quit, criticize, condemn, or complain. Wow. I'd like to read that again. It takes no talent to quit, criticize, condemn, or complain. Wow. Your friend, Bill, died on August 30th of 2020. I'm so sorry. He was a Marine in Vietnam, and uh, he was trained as an engineer. By profession, he was an attorney, and much like you, Randy, he was a preacher's kid, which is not something that you necessarily recommend. But please tell us, what was his motto? Bill, Bill's motto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can tell you. I, I, it, it was so cool because, yeah, Bill, uh, Bill and his wife and Teresa and I met as PTA parents 30-some years ago, right, when, when all the kids were in single digits in elementary school. And... Um, and over the years, we just became fast friends. And, and part of it was when, when you're a preacher's kid, a PK, it's very easy to develop a, a shell of cynicism and skepticism because there's the purity of the gospel. There's this invitation, this glory, this joy, just this incredible story of freedom and hope and love and joy, okay? And you go to church with people and you, they're people. You know, and, it, it, and, and and so you can you can you can reconcile that and choose to believe that that everyone's on a journey and extend grace to them that they're growing, or when you're young and immature, you can just reject that. And so Bill and I had a very similar experience there. We chose as young adults to just reject that 
and uh, I will spare you the details because this is family radio. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Bill hasn't shared all those years with me, but um, he's a preacher's kid, so I understand. And but by God's grace, we 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 we, we were both restored to the love that Jesus offers. Bill was he was he's about 10 years older than me and I was just a fraction too young for Vietnam and Bill was in Vietnam he uh, he uh, shipped out was in Da Nang in in 68 69 during the Tet Offensive and and lived to tell about it then he and Gail got married but at his uh, at his memorial service they invited me to speak for which I'm grateful and then his son spoke the son is our son's age and that young man about the time he hit middle school went into a very dark period of life that lasted for about 10 years. And I remember Bill telling me, and, and when the young man was in his early 20s, he clean, sober, healthy, home, recovered, doing well, everything, right? But when, he, when this young fellow was a teenager, Bill said there were weeks, months, he'd had no idea where the young fellow was. And uh, when he would get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning, when Bill got a call at 2 o'clock in the morning, he did not know if it would be his son calling to say, come pick me up from somewhere in the state or the country, or send me money to come home, or whether it would be the police saying, we've picked up your son and he's in this jail, or whether it would be the police calling to say, we found his body. And so the young fellow, and I'm, I'm intentionally not sharing his name, and so the young fellow said in the memorial service said my grandfather Bill's dad the pastor my grandfather when I was a teenager wrote me a letter every single day and mailed it to me just how are you I'm thinking about you I'm praying for you I love you and he said my dad called me every single day he said there were a lot of messages on my phone but my dad called me every single day and wherever I was, in whatever detention center, rehab center, jail, wherever I was, he came to visit me. You know, Bill, Bill, and, Bill and his wife and Teresa and I, you know, we've, we've been to, we like bluegrass, we like, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And so we, we've been all, 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 all kinds of places together and spent holidays together and all kinds of things like this. And there was a, a bluegrass string band at his funeral, and there was also bagpipes. Bill's Scotch-Irish from, grew up in Tidewater, Virginia. Bagpipes played Amazing Grace was the exit song, wow. right? Yeah. And, um, and a Marine color guard, the young fellow said, Bill's motto, and I, I hadn't heard it put like this, but I wrote it down uh, because it, it summed up Bill very well. And Bill's motto was to suit up, stand up, and never, never, never give up. Because it, it does not matter where you have come from. It does not matter what your background is. It does not matter what you have experienced in life. It does not matter what you did not get that you needed. It does not matter what you received that you did not need. Okay? If we are committed to personal growth, if we are for, committed to forgiveness, to extending grace, to stewardship, if we are committed to learning and growing, to taking advice, and to not quitting, we can become all that we were designed to become by our creator to maximize our impact here and for eternity. Man, you almost brought me to tears, Randy. Right. I, I, I've heard of, I don't think I've ever had the pleasure of meeting Bill, but what it did bring to mind is that Bill was an incredible example 
and I know how much you miss him. Try not to get emotional. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel everything, but are, wow, it just. Are you an empath too? Uh, yeah, that's. Oh, isn't it? Oh, Ooh. that's Ooh. a fun one. But I just, it speaks so much to the kind of person that I think that I would like to be and hope that others would strive to be. And it really speaks to so much of what our choices that Randy wrote about. Mm -hmm. And he's all those hope example. He never quit. I mean, it just, it speaks volumes. What an incredible story. Thanks for sharing that with us. Randy, I had a question and I apologize if I I'm taking us off course here, but I think you and I, uh, we share in the water bugging characteristic where we bounce around from topic to topic (laughs) (laughs) i wrote down next to perseverance endurance now tell me i think that they kind of correlate but i feel like there's a little bit of a difference so i would like for you to maybe help me understand what you would consider the difference between persevering and enduring is you know i think like if you're running a race your endurance comes into play with are you going to be able to make it to the finish line but also i think perseverance and endurance go hand in hand I'm familiar with those two words. Endurance to me has more of a connotation of just, just not of, of staying in, just exactly like you described. Uh, I got an email this morning. Somebody's raising money for a campaign. The the headline, the, the subject line was buddy push, which apparently comes from the military. Uh-huh. Okay, where when you're training to be a SEAL, and you've done everything that you can do. Okay, one of the ancient writers said, when you've done everything you do, stand. Uh-huh. All right, and so when in the SEAL training, when you've given everything you can, you cannot move a muscle. You always have a buddy, and they'll give you a little push to just get you going again, right? Buddy push. And so uh, I think endurance has that connotation where you're just you're running and you're going, and you need a running buddy, literally a running buddy, to give you a little push, to give you a little word of encouragement, say, you can do this, don't give up, don't, don't stop, don't quit. And in perseverance... To me, and again, th- th- there, there's so many connotations. I, I subscribe to it. Merriam-Webster, the dictionary people, have a word of the day. Yes, I love it. Did, did you get yes, that? Yes, I do. Isn't that cool? Yes. All right, so this is this is a freebie. I don't get paid by them yet, but um, I always like that word, yet. Hey, do you know somebody? Webster's Not yet, but would you introduce me? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Merriam-Webster, they have a word of the day that you can subscribe to. It gives you the how to pronounce it and where the emphasis is and the history of the word. It's really cool. I'm a, I'm a word and numbers nerd, but perseverance seems to more have the connotation of a, of a lifelong engagement rather than just a race. Right, yeah. But Endurance would be yeah, more short-term. I, Persevering would be long-term. I like that. I don't I don't know. But any of the listeners, give us your feedback. Shoot us an email. You know, go to our website. You can, uh-huh. do the, you can leave a comment there and help us out with this uh, and endurance and perseverance And that website is centurionag.com yeah. for our listeners yeah. out there. And please excuse Randy. He did not go to Philosophy 101, so he can't give us the answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know exactly who I am. I know exactly why I'm here, and I'm very clear on where I'm headed. Y'all are welcome to join me. (laughs) (laughs) Save me a seat on that bus, Randy. Well, again, for um, our listeners out there, what I was referring to is uh, Randy's commentary and if you'd like to receive this commentary it's not something that they inundate you with it's very informational it's very personal and I find it very applicable to my everyday life you can visit centurionag.com to learn more poke around on their website you know you can find these podcasts as well on iTunes and always find them on um, our Business Radio X website before we conclude today as we've made it through the second part of choices Randy is there anything else you'd like to add or share with our listeners and Sandy as well Sandy 
Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Words. <laughs> the worst, the worst. Yeah, don't want me to trip mm-hmm. on that one. I, mine only one, I guess, would be just to come back and visit. I mean, you know, we're here. We're available. We'd love to talk. Give us a call. Yeah. You know, that's really kind of the big one because we love to help people. So. And, and what's the number that people, people can read? Good, the office? Good one. Yeah. yeah. 770-817-0525. 0525. All right. For all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us on Stewarding Family Wealth, presented by Centurion Advisory Group, bringing perspective processes and strategies which help families build wealth, transfer assets, and values across generations. Don't forget that you can enjoy these episodes anytime on businessradiox.com, select the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on Stewarding Family Wealth. This program is available on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Visit centurionag.com to learn more. Thank you for joining us on Stewarding Family Wealth on Business Radio X.